following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to episode 887 of I Doubt It Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined uh, today by the other host, your other host, my co-host, Brittany Page. Well, Jesse... goes all over the place. Jesse D. went to the White House yesterday. Yeah. How was that? It was good. Yeah, it was It was a good time. It was interesting. I'd never been to the White House, so it was. Uh, it was a fun time. It was a fun time fucking idiot it was uh it was informative we, we sat it in a briefing from um military and intelligence officials relative to ukraine what situation is on the ground i was with a a group of um activist veterans with vote vets and it was um informative mm-hmm. yeah but also you know from a from a giddy schoolgirl, yeah perspective it was great yeah, yeah it that's, was, uh, it was that's what I was looking for. Because you're just kind of being like, uh, like yeah, it was fine. Like, I'm like, no, you went to the White House. Yeah, I know, I know. That's exciting. Yeah. yeah. I'm tired, man. It's been a very long two days. Yeah, you've been doing a lot of stuff with vote bets the past two days, actually. It wasn't yeah. just going to the White House. And you've you've been on the ground, going to meetings, doing doing important stuff with that organization, which seems to be a great organization to be connected to. Yeah, it was nice uh, to get to know some 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 new people, people who are just generally activists in their life, but also some some other content creators that we may be able to collaborate with in, in the future, too. So, yeah. Yeah, all in all, it was a good couple of days. I'm very tired, mm-hmm. um, but, you know. When am I not really tired? You have so. a tired voice right now, too. <laughs> Do I? Yeah. All right. I well, also, that'll make for a good show. I feel like I'm talking differently than I normally do because I ripped out my permanent retainer uh, when I was flossing. and Inadvertently. It wasn't like, ah, fuck this thing. Yeah, no, it was an accident. And I actually, I have taken my retainers very seriously because I had braces and that wasn't something that was... Um, afforded to all of my siblings. My aunt's ex-boyfriend actually paid for my braces and I took it very seriously. I felt like it was a privilege to get them. I was very grateful to get them and I only recently replaced the first retainer I ever had when I got my braces off as a teenager. (laughs) Lasted almost 20 years. and 15 years or something, right? And uh, So this retainer had been in my mouth for like 16 years and I ripped it out on accident. But I think it was time to go. They're not supposed to last forever. But what happened was I got a referral from my dentist to a person. and A dentist. Another dentist. They put in... <laughs> a person. Well, it's not an orthodontist, and I should have just gone to an orthodontist. But they put in a, a splint, is what they call it. And it's a bonded splint. And it is completely different. It's massive. It feels like it's getting in the way. Do I sound different, or is it just me? No, you don't. No, you don't sound any different. But now that I'm like like watching your mouth as you talk, mm-hmm. like a total creeper, uh-huh. uh, you do. You're you're forming your words differently. Your yeah. your mouth moves differently. Yeah. So anyway, I'm getting it. It's removed. a nightmare from this side of the table. I can't even. Well, I like look away. I, I'm avert my gaze. Well, it's it's my teeth have been hurting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's no fun. There's been other issues that I won't get into. Well, I know I had dental work a few months ago, and they put a, a temporary crown on until they could order and have the new one installed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the tooth was clicking. I think it was even on the show. I when I was talking, mm-hmm. the tooth would it was too low. It was not mm-hmm. seated properly. Right, and it's even that little amount was like. You can't eat right. You can't talk right. It just uh, it fucks with everything that you do. Yeah, it. I, my bite is different. It's and no good. Before I left, I tried to get him to fix it, and he did like three different things, and couldn't get it right. 
Well, obviously. I mean, it was hard to tell because so much was going on. He also like rested one of the tools on my lip, and then I got a sore on my lip because like I left there with like a wound on my lip because yeah, they like, were resting the for, tool. For like the whole procedure, like an hour. Yeah, and uh, so it was just a nightmare. And now my bite is different. Anyway, I don't want to keep complaining. You went to the White House. Why did this turn into no, I'm, <laughs> me I'm, talking I'm, about my splint? I'm. Uh, anyway, I'm getting it removed on Monday. Everything will be great. And then you're going to actually go to the orthodontist and have a, a, a professional specialist put one in. Yeah, and listen, I mean, you get a referral from your dentist and you think that they're sending you to a person that can handle it, you know? I don't know. I think sometimes it's just like their their pal, like their friend who also is a dentist. Oh, yeah, this guy, he'll do good work for you. Yeah, well, we'll see if he'll take it out for free or if I have to pay hundreds of dollars for that, too. Okay, so... <laughs> Last episode, we played a hateful voicemail from a Nazi, and we, we're going to do some housekeeping right now. This is just kind of like housekeeping, talking about things from previous episodes with some listener communication mixed in. And it was it was a controversial choice, Jesse, to do that because many listeners hated it and said that we shouldn't even be playing something like that. Oh, come on. And that it it was of no value. And so we should not play things like that. I got a laugh out of it. So there was value to it. <laughs> Many people did get value from it. They thought it was funny. We got some messages from people who are also in the online space and receive hate and said that it was helpful to see how we handled it because it's sometimes difficult for them to handle that kind of hate. It's also funny that it, it then generated more haters. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nazi haters to call. Not as talented, the other Nazi haters. No, I mean, they said the same thing. Like, they called and they're like, who's this ugly bitch? It's like, we already covered this. Well, didn't the dipshit say something like, uh, if you think that was hateful, this one's going to be even more hateful. And then it was just like, you have red hair. He said you he, look like Santa. Yeah, that's right, Santa. Like, God is ass. <laughs> you know, like, I don't understand. I already told these people, if you want to hurt my feelings, say I'm not funny. And then they don't do it. They or I'm not smart, or I can't read. Those are things that I'm like, oh my God, seriously, I can't read. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mispronounce words all the time. Look at that high-waisted man. I'm telling <laughs> that's you. That's the thing I'm sensitive about. <laughs> exactly. I'm giving you the ammunition. Um, that's a ripped off uh, John Mulaney line out of a bit he does. They were also like, that's not the most hateful call you've ever received. Yeah, it's called a clickable title. Okay, yeah, sometimes on. we need to do that, all right? <laughs> um, I, my favorite email, though, was someone who said that I, I haven't hardened my heart yet and I'm too, like, making space for it, making excuses for it, and I need uh. to harden my heart and not have sympathy for people. <laughs> okay, but we'll play hater voice. Anyway, in the if future, you missed so. last episode, I think... Go back and listen to the feckless, hateful Nazi. Yeah. And we got a message from Patreon supporter Robert H., who said that it might be a good idea to send Patreon members more of those. Oh. And perhaps some hateful emails that we get as well. Something to consider as a bonus. And maybe we should. That's a bonus. Here you guys go. If we <laughs> suffer, you have to suffer too. Uh, maybe is there a way to do poll polls or whatever in Patreon? Of course there is. Yep. Maybe we should do that because I don't want to flood everybody with a bunch of, you know, what I find are funny, mm -hmm. but I don't want to flood people with shit they're not going to like. Yeah. So or it's going to upset them. Yes. We also we have said in the past that we do a debate episode for every debate, and obviously there was a debate. And, and that's what you want to call it. And well, yeah. <laughs> what happened was we were watching it. And we both turned to each other at the same time, and we said, we can't, we can't do anything with yeah. this. Like, there's no way to do an episode about this. It was so, it was poorly moderated, it was poorly debated, there was absolutely nothing of substance or value that happened. It was in, like 90 minutes of these idiots talking over each other. Yeah, it's nothing. Also, we decided not to do a, 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 a post-debate analysis episode. And then the next morning, Cliff Schechter and I did a video about it that, like, 30,000 people watch. I mean, my normal videos get 150, 200,000 views. No, no one gave a shit. So mm -hmm. we made the right choice, Brittany Page. Oh, okay, good. You and I, not to, not to do it. Good. So we did get some listener communication on the John Fetterman issue of the dressing. Jesse, you said that you do kind of... You don't ultimately care what he wears, honestly, but you do feel that there is something to be said for wearing a suit and and appearing in professional clothing when you are on the floor of the Senate. 
Yeah, listen. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's almost, yeah, that's very much, that's exactly what I believe. I, 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 I'll just restate it. It's, for me, it would show his seriousness and his, um, respect for the importance of the work. Now, when you drill down on it, like, you know, any philosopher would be like, why, what exactly does that mean? Why is that respectful? Why is shorts and a t-shirt not respectful? Yeah, listen, we live in a society and a culture where certain things are considered dressy and respectful or, or formal and others are not. And until that, that, uh, that changes, a suit and tie is professional attire and you're taking your professional job with a professional mindset and oversized hoodie and, and, and suit isn't that. Having said that, people are already pissed off, I know, again, I don't care. There's more important shit to worry about. Yeah. Yeah. So this person wrote Mando Jr., our Patreon supporter. I think there's an in-between a suit and tie and shorts and hoodies. Maybe start with no tie required and khakis. Yeah, I would be fine with that. I'm fine with everything. I don't fucking care. I don't care. But yeah, I mean, I don't wear a tie. Like, even at the White House yesterday, I was in just a suit jacket, a suit with a shirt with no tie. Mm Mm-hmm. That would be fine. Also, you know what? Shorts and hoodie, fine. Whatever. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we also got an email from Brian, listener Brian, who is an active listener, emails us often, and he wrote to us, he's a retired pharmacist, and he wanted to know if we've gotten our COVID shots yet, and actually gave us a lot of information about how to obtain them based on what type of insurance we might have. And so shout out to Brian, because we want to take this opportunity to say that, yes, we have our appointments scheduled for our COVID shot and our flu shot, which we will be getting tomorrow. Tomorrow. Well, there might be a strike going on with fi- with uh, Kaiser. So I think Washington, D.C. only had a one-day strike. Oh, is that right? And okay. the other areas had Wednesday through Friday. That's okay. that's what I've read. I don't know if that's true. No, that makes me happy. So the the flu shot this year, by the way, the effectiveness varies every year. It looks like this year is a good year, like it is pretty effective so if you are thinking about getting your shots definitely do it don't know why you wouldn't seems like an overall good only net benefit. it's also not just for you it's protecting vulnerable populations and immunocompromised so even if it's like well every i whatever i it doesn't matter i don't mind getting the flu if you give it to somebody they could fucking die so be selfless do it for somebody else yes So one more piece of follow-up before we get to a voicemail. We did a bonus episode. We've started doing monthly Patreon-only bonus episodes where you have to be a Patreon supporter, patreon.com slash idoubtitpodcast in order to listen. People really like this one. Yeah, so I had come across this article in Politico where they based it off a, a viral tweet where people were asked to pick their top songs that stir their soul, top 20 songs that stir their soul. And Jesse and I chose five to talk about on a bonus show. And I was very surprised by the very positive response. Because we've talked about these bonus episodes where should we just do Q&As? And people that are our Patreon supporters voted and said, we want non-political content. Mm -hmm. And so I've been trying to find that. And this one seemed to be one that that people really love. I want to read this anonymous email we got from a Patreon supporter who listened to that episode. Fun to hear some of your favorite music and how differently you enjoy it. I, like Brittany, listen to lyrics. I kept thinking during the show that one of my favorite songs is actually Janie's Got a Gun by Aerosmith about a girl who shoots her father because he was a sleaze. Parenthetically, incestuous, I've always assumed. Even though my dad wasn't incestuous, he was violent, and I loved listening to that song and thinking how it would be to not be helpless, to dare to defend myself. So when I hear it still, it gives me that feeling of strength and daring to stand up for myself. When I read this... I got emotional just Yeah, now. I'm, I did too. When I read this, I thought, this could have been written by me. Because when I was young, I would hear that song, and I same it thing? was the same exact thing. Huh. Yeah, the same exact thing. Where I was like, wouldn't that be great? Yeah, that's awesome. Also, uh, Aerosmith made some fucking good music, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Aerosmith is great. All right, so if you're interested in hearing our our songs, you can go and become a Patreon supporter. But one more message on this. This is from our Patreon supporter, Elizabeth R. 
Uh, this whole episode can be part of its own series or whole other podcast. Amazing job. I'm Latina and have sadly never heard any of these songs. Wow. And it's not a diss because you guys are white. Nervous laugh. <laughs> But it's Did they write that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's cool to see the difference in music culture that we grew up with. If I sent in my top five, they would mostly all be in Spanish, but also with a completely different cultural attachment to them growing up in the U.S. as a first-generation Mexican-American. I don't know if that makes sense, but this was seriously such a great idea for an episode. I hope you guys do more of these, maybe with different prompts or themes. Thanks for the exposure to new, to me, music. I will now be looking up these artists that you mentioned. That's great. Yeah. We'll have to do that again. Yeah. we People would think, well, I, I, I don't know why I assume this, but I, I always assume people would think that only the, the only communication we would get from Patreon supporters is positive because they're supporters. <laughs> That's not the case. <clears throat> Excuse me. We actually absolutely get a lot of pushback, um, get shat upon, even by our supporters, because, you know, we don't mind being called out. We don't mind uh, dissent. We don't mind uh, correction. Mm-hmm. And it was nice. This was one where we didn't get any, like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. All of them were positive. <laughs> All the feedback was positive. So Yeah. So thank you for that. And now we have another anonymous supporter, this time uh, in the form of a voicemail. Hello. I'm a relatively new Patreon supporter of you guys. I came across you when you were filling in for David Packman show a couple of times. So I decided to listen to your weekly ordinary podcast feed, added it to my little podcast app, listened to that for a couple of weeks, liked it, became a Patreon supporter. So obviously I grabbed the ad-free version. I went into my Apple podcast app and I unfollowed the regular one and deleted it. And I started listening to the ad-free version from the Patreon feed. But the other feed refuses to go away. Keeps coming back. I'll be listening to Kai Rizdal signing off from APM. Bam! There's the iData podcast. I'm sitting right there in my next feed. Right? I listen to 99% Invisible. Uh, it ends and there it is. Great a, little, show. a little hand wave going, oh, listen to me, listen to me. iData podcast. It <laughs> refuses to go away. Right? It even showed me an episode like 300 and something with the old logo. Oh my God. I, I have no idea why. I have deleted it. I have deleted it, but it keeps coming back. Your show is so strong and your message is so powerful <laughs> that Apple Podcast refuses to delete it. Well, I guess I have to listen to it twice. Anyway, thought you guys might find that funny. <laughs> I would say maybe step into um, the 21st century. It's 2023, my friend, and uh, Apple Podcast. That app has been fucking trash always. I know they're trying to update it, but that sounds like an Apple Podcast issue, not 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 an us issue. Well, and if it was us, I I would own it. Well, I wanted to play this for two reasons. One, it's funny, but also I want to know if anyone else is experiencing this. We haven't we haven't gotten any messages about it, so I don't know. But I do know I stopped using Apple Podcasts years ago. Yeah, yeah. Not to join in on the shitting on the anonymous Patreon supporter. <laughs> thank you, by the way. Um, but I stopped using thank it. Thank you to me for shitting on him? No, thank you to the, <laughs> the caller for their support. I stopped using it for this reason. There was actually, I think it was at least the 538 podcast that would do this all the time, but I think it was multiple podcasts. So um, I don't... I. It seems to me to be an Apple podcast issue, but I, I want to see if other people are experiencing it so we can kind of figure out what's going on. But it used to do that with other shows, and I would have to delete like 50 episodes of other shows at a time. And no, I don't listen to the 538 podcast anymore. This just gave me, yeah, I mean, Nate Silver, I don't think is involved, but he really turned into a dipshit. Um, this gives me an idea for another bonus episode other podcasts that we listen to and I don't oh. listen to a bunch but there have been podcasts that I've gone through spurts of listening to 99% Invisible is absolutely still one that I that I stick on and, and, and will listen to from time to time that's the one who did the episode about the Kirk Bride plan that's right right yeah that's uh, with the Roman Mars mm. 99 PI that's uh, a great episode we should write that down and by we I mean you okay. and we should uh, bookmark <laughs> that and do that for um, this month okay top episode top Podcasts? Just, yeah, just other other okay. good podcasts that we uh, we recommend that we like. All right. 
Thank you for that, anonymous caller. We appreciate the idea, even. Yes. And um, we will do what we can to look into that. And uh, maybe you should get a new podcatcher. <laughs> if you, too, would like to sound off, call the show. Get your voice on the record. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. And before we jump right in to Dollamocracy and get on with the show, we got some some stuff to cover here, obviously. Um, let's, since we're on the subject of Patreon, let's let's thank our new Patreon supporters. So we want to thank Simone B. Simone B. Oki. Oki. Norma J. Norma J. Ricardo C. Ricardo C. Michael G. Michael G. Richard W. Richard W. Lindy. Lindy. J. Allen. J. Allen. Dan W. Dan W. Kathy X. Kathy X. And Recedus. 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 That was one where Recedus messaged us about how to pronounce the name oh, in okay. advance. And I'm I'm hoping that that was successful. Yeah. It well, looks, it let, looks successful. They'll right? let us know. Yeah, it looks it. Okay. Yeah, I like how you phonetically R E E. No, that's what S E. Oh, that's how they that's did what it. Was given to me, <laughs> and I'm just following directions because we take this very seriously. Uh, listen, we would invite you to consider supporting the show for just two dollars a month. You could become a patron and support and produce the work we do here. It doesn't just support the podcast; it also supports the work that we do on our individual YouTube channels. Um, you can get an ad-free version of the show like we've been talking about. We do the bo the monthly bonus episode. We send out a yearly gift. Uh, it is a good time, and we do have um, a lot of love for the Patreon family. We love the audience at large in general, but, you know, it's it's something uh, – it's, it's special to be supported and people give of their money to support what we do here. So you can go to patreon.com slash podcast, and we would invite you to look into that. All right, moving on. Dollamocracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So Donald Trump has been in court in New York <laughs> for his financial fraud case. Remember, he has already been found guilty of financial fraud, yeah. and that was in a pretrial judgment. This trial is basically dedicated to determining whether he's going to have to pay a uh, fee or how much he's going to have to pay. I guess it wouldn't be called a fee. It would be called... <laughs> Just a penalty. A penalty. Well, also, like, whether or he's going to... They're going to have to dissolve the corporation in New York, whether he's going to continue to be able to do business um, or do business at all ever in the state of New York after what is egregious fraud. I mean, $2.2 billion overvaluation of his, of his assets is a big deal. Absolutely, yeah. So... He actually doesn't need to be in court. He doesn't need to be there. But according to reporting, he sees it as beneficial oh, yeah. for his campaign. So he keeps showing up, giving statements to the press, which ultimately ended with a gag order because he started attacking. Which he's violating every officials. fucking day. Yeah. So we're going to get into that. But this clip that we're going to play is from his first day in his New York trial. And. CNN cuts to his statement because he's coming out of the court to give a statement on the first day. I don't know why. And You know what he's going to do. You know what he's going to say. Absolutely. I was actually somewhat pleased by what happens during this clip, though, and I think you'll see why. Thank you very much. This is a continuation of the single greatest witch hunt of all time. We have a rogue judge who rules that properties are worth a tiny fraction, one one hundred, a tiny fraction of what they actually are. We have a racist attorney general who's a horror show who ran on the basis that she was going to get Trump before she even knew anything about me. She used this to run for governor. She failed in her attempt to run for governor. She had virtually no polling. She came back and she said, well, now I'll go back to get Trump again. And this is what we have. It's a scam. It's a sham. Just so you know, my financial statements are phenomenal. 
All right, you've been listening to Donald Trump as he's getting ready to walk into the courtroom. Donald Trump speaking. I think now we know for sure this is a campaign event exactly for right. Donald Trump more than a legal proceeding. Yes, he is going to walk into that courtroom, but it does appear that what actually takes place in the courtroom in the next few minutes may be incidental compared to what he feels he can get out of it for campaign purposes. You heard him going after the judge. You heard him going after the attorney general in this case. Uh, and again, this is no longer a bug of the Trump campaign. Yeah. This is the feature. The Trump campaign is the um, the legal operation that he is facing right now. And one thing we should make clear, though, he is using this in, in to some extent to a success in the Republican primary. He is losing this civil case already. He has already had a major ruling go against him that will cost him money and, as it stands, has lost him control of the thing he has held most dear until this point, which is control of the Trump organization. He could lose significant control of that now. He may be using that for political gain, but right now he's got no choice. This is the situation he faces. He's trying to take advantage of that situation. Good on John Berman. Yeah. I like John Berman. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love that that you plan the shows, and I've been gone for two days, so I have no idea. Like, the audience is just as surprised about what clip you're going to play as me right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> or I'm just as uh, surprised by as the audience. He, he Donald Trump is, I mean, we all know, we know intimately who this guy is by now, but it's a scam, it's a sham, it's a scam sham. <laughs> They're... Uh, they're devaluing my properties. Eighteen million dollars for Mar-a-Lago. It's worth what? That's one one hundredth what it's worth. He's claiming Mar-a-Lago is worth one thousand eight hundred million dollars. He thinks Mar-a-Lago is worth nearly two billion dollars. <laughs> there are massive corporations in this country that aren't worth two billion dollars but he thinks his home and the resort that it's on that the little parcel of land is worth two thousand million dollars get the fuck out of here yeah so i thought this was a an example of cnn learning its lesson and or one particular anchor doing a good job in the moment yeah, you you heard Kate Baldwin saying exactly yeah. in the background because yeah. this is the morning show with John Berman, Kate. I always say Baldwin, but it's it's Baldwin and well, Sarah Snyder, I think. Yeah, and it, they did play him talking for a full minute, mm-hmm. which is something that I don't think they needed to do. I think that probably went on a little long, but I I do think that. We're starting to see a little bit more of this. Jake Tapper has been a bit more forceful, although he still tends to be both sides. And there there seems to be a shift, I'm noticing, more of a shift than mm-hmm. there has been in the past, of a willingness to say there is a unique problem on the right that does not exist on the left, and that Donald Trump is a dangerous character and that we need to be more direct in talking about what he's doing instead of just playing his words and letting the viewer decide. We yeah. need to put this in context and illustrate what is actually happening here. Which is what John Berman did there uh, very well. Yes. Because just because it's our new normal doesn't mean it's fucking normal. This yeah. is not normal. That You know, like even me, I caught myself when when you said he's in court for the last three days and I kind of giggled like an idiot it's not funny i mean it's funny because if you don't laugh you cry about the situation we're in where donald trump is facing 91 counts across four indictments he's got this civil case that could end his business because of monumental historic fraud on his part and the part of his children and his company this is not normal and to treat it as such is a failure of journalism. We got to report differently on Donald Trump. Yeah, and and we get tired of talking about Donald Trump too, but he is a unique danger. There was an article recently in, in Axios just a few days ago where they made a list of the things that Donald Trump has said recently. Yeah. Just in like the past couple weeks yeah. in speeches, in interviews, they said that he obviously, if you've been following the news, you'll you'll have heard about some of these, but some of these I was surprised by. Donald Trump said former Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley committed treason and suggested he should be executed. Yep. He called for 
the judge that is overseeing his civil trial to be disbarred, thrown out of office, and criminally prosecuted in addition to attacking the judge's clerk. We'll get to that in a second. That's what prompted the gag order. He labeled New York Attorney General Letitia James, who's suing Trump for fraudulently inflating his wealth and assets on financial records, a racist and a monster, said special counsel Jack Smith, who's prosecuting him in the January 6th and uh, classified documents cases, is deranged and a psycho who looks like a, quote, crackhead. Posted online, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. One day after swearing in federal court that he would not intimidate witnesses in the election interference case. Mocked Paul Pelosi after he was brutally assaulted by a home intruder with a hammer to the head. Called for police to shoot shoplifters on site. Summary execution by cop. No no uh, justice. No judge. No jury. No jurisprudence as we've known it for the past almost 250 years. He just wants cops on a hunch, like they're not trigger happy already, to just murder people they see leaving the store. Like, hey, do you have a receipt for that? They don't even do that. They just fucking kill him is what he wants. Right. And this is the last one said migrants illegally crossing into the U.S. are poisoning the blood of our country. That, for me, is the most egregious. Because he's using blood and soil Nazi language. Absolutely. This is white supremacy. This is white nationalism. And this is, I mean, it's, the hood is off. Mm Mm-hmm. Or the hood is on, however you want to look at it with Donald Trump. He he knows who his base is. He knows that the people who are most active, maybe not your Uncle Gary sitting with his not Bud Light anymore, who watches Fox News and gets angry. Huh, that makes me mad. Donald Trump, baby! Maybe not that guy, but the people who are most active and most capable and willing to commit acts of violence, they're listening. The stand back and stand by types, they're listening. So when Donald Trump starts invoking language like blood and soil, oh, the poisoning the blood of them, they're, that's by design. Mm-hmm. It's by design. It's not an accident. It's not a slip of the tongue. He means it. He knows who he's communicating to. And they, more importantly, they hear it. Yeah. So on this topic of how the media is handling Trump coverage, now that they've had years to figure out who he is, yeah. what he is what he's about <laughs> i mean they blew it in 2016 they blew it again in 2020 and they're still blowing it now yeah the editor-in-chief of the wall street journal emma tucker owned by rupert murdoch that's very important to note especially yeah. given what this conversation is going to be about she was recently interviewed and during this interview the interviewer asked a question specifically on how do you decide to report on stories what is your approach to reporting on stories when you know, when you know that one side, when you're looking at both sides, when you know that one side is lying. Um, I think that the newsroom crisis that I think kind of indirectly got you here was that several years ago, Jerry Baker went to war with the newsroom over how to cover Donald Trump. And I think like lots of newsrooms had civil wars over how to cover Donald Trump. Maybe that one is particularly bitter. and, you know, he was sort of ousted in a kind of a newsroom revolt. And, and, and I'm curious, you know, it's easy to talk about, hard to do. Like, well, here we are again. You're about to head into another Donald Trump cycle. And I'm curious how you manage that pretty complicated dynamic of a, a newsroom, a, you know, a probably center-left newsroom, a pretty staunchly right-wing editorial page, Lachlan Murdoch as your boss, and, um, and Donald Trump running for president. It's made you make it sound so dramatic. Um, well, <laughs> it's easy. Honestly, it's easy. It's like you, we stick to our guns, stick to our principles. And again, as I said to you, one of the things that's most impressed me has been the way the newsroom really believes in the values of the journal, which is we have to be uh, objective, we have to tell both sides of the story, because I think there is a genuine understanding in the newsroom, but also in the wider business, that that's where our value lies. You know, if, if we want people to... We've got 130 years' worth of trust, you know, behind us. And we, we mess with that at our peril. And I think that, you know, that, that, so, OK, it's a, it's a kind of crazy American election. Everybody's going, losing their minds. It's, you know, we stick to our guns. You report the story. You tell the story as it is. You give equal weight to both sides. You know, and... I've, I, equal weight to both sides, even when one of them is lying? 
Well, you 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 bring you don't you don't resolve from bringing your you know authority to your, the reporting because you know you don't want to take it to the point of absurdity. But you you know you stick to the principles of the journal and you tell the story. And do you know what? It might even help that I'm not American in all of this because I've got no skin in the game, so I can sort of stand back a bit. But genuinely, I think the newsroom they understand and they they live and breathe those principles, and it's it's been a wonder to behold since I got there. I know people are wondering. They're like, wait. Are you sure that was Emma Tucker, the editor-in-chief of the Wall Street Journal? Uh, or was that Jordan B. Peterson? Yeah. <laughs> because that was a word salad. Wait, what wait, wait, did wait. she even say? You, didn't you hear her? Were you not listening to the same clip I was? Clearly, <laughs> Brittany, she's going to stick to her guns. Okay. That means so much. She's going to stick to her guns. Great. It's easy. You stick to your guns <laughs> and stick to your principles. Mm. You be objectives. Uh, you be objective. Um, you you report on both sides of the good, story. Good, yes. And then you give equal weight to both. Like, what in the fuck is she even talking about? Yeah, she didn't answer the question. At she, all. And she's not taking it seriously because... <laughs> The, the interviewer asked the question, how do you approach this? This is a big question. This is something that journalists are grappling with. How to deal with someone who is lying constantly, who is an authoritarian, who is dangerous. How do you handle this? And she's like, oh, it's you make it sound so dramatic. It's easy. Anybody who says it's easy when it is clearly a complicated, nuanced issue is either stupid or they're lying to you. That, that's a person who cannot be trusted r- relative to the coverage of Donald Trump because covering Donald Trump isn't easy. It, it is a, a, a multifaceted, nuanced uh, uh, endeavor. Mm-hmm. So the the, me- the media who, like the, the other day you were playing a clip, yesterday you were playing a clip with Jake Tapper and some dude. And he was, oh, was a former editor of the Washington Post. And they were, Jake Tapper had all these criticisms for the guy. And it was like, the, the, he's interviewing him, he did a good job, but there were a couple things to to, to, to criticize about his coverage or his, his time at, at, at the, wall, at the wall, uh, Washington Post. Mm-hmm. And that's how you deal with things. It's not like, oh, it's so easy, it's no big deal. There are things to criticize, there are, there are analyses to be done, there is commentary to be made about these topics. It's not as simple as this woman would have you believe that it's so simple. Oh, it's easy. It's just, it's not fair to the American people. It's not fair to our history and our future. And she's part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And clearly the the Wall Street Journal is part of the problem. Yeah, so we're going to jump back to Donald Trump and his trial because that was kind of like a larger media conversation. And now we're getting back to the details of, of Donald Trump's trial. So... He got the gag order because he needs to stop attacking the court clerk and the judge and everyone else. So he's put under this gag order. And apparently he's not going to be back in court for a while. His presence is not going to be there. But he did say that at some point he is going to testify. I'm here, stuck here, and I can't come back. I'd rather be right now in Iowa. But former President Donald Trump is actually not required to be in attendance at the civil fraud trial, yet he has used this opportunity to be back in the spotlight, speaking to cameras every chance he gets. Why attend? Because I want to point it out to the press how corrupt it is, because nobody else seems to be able to do it. On Tuesday, a judge imposed a limited gag order that prohibits Trump from targeting court staff. Trump made disparaging comments about the judge's law clerk in a social media post and was ordered to take it down. But this doesn't stop him from attacking the judge and the attorney general, which he did. You borrow money, you pay it back, and you get sued by a political animal. And that's where we are. In response, Attorney General Letitia James called these attacks baseless. So Mr. Trump is no longer here. The Donald Trump show is over. This was nothing more than a political stunt. The judge has already ruled that Trump committed fraud by exaggerating the size of his Trump Tower apartment and overestimating the value of some of his other properties. Trump's team officially filed their appeal on Wednesday. But this non-jury trial will decide how much Trump owes in penalties and if Trump should be banned from doing business in New York. 
Forbes also announcing today that Trump is no longer rich enough to be included in the Forbes 400, an annual ranking of America's wealthiest individuals. During opening statements, the attorney general's office said that being on the Forbes billionaires list is one of the reasons why Trump inflated his net worth. Michael Cohen, who is Trump's attorney, said the same in his deposition. Let's say it said he was worth $6 billion. Well, he wanted to be higher on the Forbes list. He then said, I'm actually not worth $6 billion. I'm worth 7 In fact, I think it's actually now worth 8 So that is very funny to me. But this was actually a good news package as well, I thought. They were directly calling out Donald Trump's lies, saying he doesn't need to be there, saying that every chance he gets, he's putting himself in front of a camera because he believes it will be good for his campaign. This is what we need more of. And it's what the media failed to do at the start of his campaign. And now that we know who and what he is, I mean, you know, some of us were ahead of the game more than others. (laughs) We need to treat it very seriously. And we need to treat him differently because he is different. Yeah. Another note on the dog whistles to the racists and white nationalists in his audience. Um, He referred to uh, the black woman, the attorney general of the state of New York, Letitia James, as a political animal. Mm -hmm. Again, that's by design. He he uses like he has a little bit of plausible deniability. No, no, political animal. That's that's a phrase. People say that. But he's calling her an animal. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's to be expected and it needs to be called out every time so it's recognized so if there is some faction some remaining force left within MAGA world that might peel off from supporting him that would be a good thing yeah so there's been a lot of drama with the Republicans their inability to govern they ousted Speaker, former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, yeah. the first ever in history. He made history, you guys. Yeah. Congratulations, Kevin. I don't think we should have a Speaker of the House named Kevin. That just doesn't seem, I don't yeah. know. It just seems too, it's like too contemporary of a name. Yeah. I don't oh, know. Yeah. You, know? You, you, need, you need like an Oscar or, <laughs> or, or Theodore. <laughs> so I was going to say. Speak- is Nancy, is that? Is that, uh, not, is that that seems a little contemporary? Yeah, I don't know. I'm going to get messages from Kevin. Like, why are you attacking me? No, you, no, no. You, you're like Newt. You're more of a Newt gal. Yeah, I'm more of a Newt gal. <laughs> exactly. So, speaking of racist, there's now a race to become the new House Speaker, and people are throwing their hats in the ring. Oh yeah, they are. Including Jim Jordan. And Steve Scalise, Steve Scalise, you will remember, is the one who got shot playing softball. Yeah. And also had cancer this year. So he's really been going through it. And he is also the one who, wasn't he called David Duke without the baggage? He was called that by himself at a campaign event where he said he was trying to reassure Louisiana voters. Look, look, look. I know you love David Duke and all the KKK shit, y'all. I'm just like David Duke without all the baggage. I don't have all that David Duke baggage, but I'm just like David Duke. David Duke, of course, is a white supremacist. Former Grand Wizard of the KKK. He is straight up. He doesn't hide it. He's open about it. He runs a racist publication. He is... He's out there. He is straight up a white supremacist. And so for Steve Scalise to say he's David Duke without the baggage and now be running for House Speaker, we've been having conversations, Jesse, about what this looks like going forward, what it means. But first, let's talk about who's putting their hat in the ring. Jim Jordan, he currently chairs the Judiciary Committee. He's been tasked with leading the House Republican charge on those impeachment inquiries into President Biden. Uh, Given his son Hunter Biden, they were exploring some of those uh, records that they had there calling witnesses, really being the forceful charge on this, which is something that a lot of the base, the Republican base, wants to see. This is also somebody that has the ear of former President Trump. They are close allies. Uh, He's often campaigned for the former president. He's endorsed him uh, this time around as well. 
well. When you look at Steve Scalise, he's somebody who's been a member of Republican leadership for quite some time now. You'll remember that he actually is now recovering from cancer as well. He was shot a couple of years ago at a congressional baseball game, and he is currently the top in leadership. He's right, he was right under the Speaker McCarthy. Uh, he also before that was the whip, the vote counter among Republicans. So these are two uh, fixtures, really, in the Republican conference in the House. It'll be interesting to see as support shores up which which way it will fall, either for Jordan or for Scalise, but certainly those two, the front runners now. So they're also talking about Donald Trump. That's been floated, I right. think, just by Sean Hannity. I don't know. Well, John Hannity came on and he said that, uh, no, no, Congress people have, like, nominated Donald Trump. They put his oh, name forward. okay. Uh, Troy Nels, I believe from Texas. Oh, yes, Troy Nels. Um, <laughs> Rule 26 of the GOP conference says that a member of the Republican leadership, which would include the Speaker of the House, shall step aside if indicted for a felony for which a sentence of two or more years of imprisonment uh, may be imposed. So Donald Trump is not even eligible to be speaker under Republican rules. Yeah. Just to put that to bed. Yeah, so who knows what's going to happen? Who knows where this is going to go? Obviously, Kevin McCarthy made history by being the first to be voted out. So it is unfortunate that the radical right-wing portion of the party has so much power and that's what's really scary is are we going to get someone in there who is more radical yeah it is it is something that irritates me continuously by um about the the democratic leadership and the messaging arm and i even heard it this weekend or this the last couple of days not this weekend this the last couple of days with the vote vets people that people are using the term maga republican they're all maga republicans name me a republican that's not name me a republican that's in office that actually has some political power that isn't a maga republican they're they're that's all what they are it's almost like you know what the next clip is. Oh, it's, is it? Well, it's related to this, yeah, because the governor of Utah, Spencer Cox, who we've talked about before. Yeah, I wouldn't call him a MAGA Republican. I, to, to, I'm talking about Congress. Well. Because he's a guy who's like a little bit more uh, or less recalcitrant about trans issues and LGBTQ issues. Right, but we're going to get to that. Is he no good? So, well, just will you <laughs> relax until you hear it? So, he sat down with McKay Coppins, and I always think of your tweet when I say the word McKay Coppins, the name McKay Coppins. And McKay Coppins does a lot of coverage of Mormonism and stuff for The Atlantic, and he recently wrote that lengthy article about Mitt Romney for The Atlantic. And so he sat down. Is he Mormon? I think so. Oh, okay. I think so. So he sat down with uh, Utah Governor Spencer Cox during this Atlantic event and was asking him about the state of the Republican Party. And we have two clips here on things that Spencer Cox said that I think illustrate your point quite well. Maybe not as overtly, but first he's going to talk about what people's perception is of Democrats and Republicans. My question is always, where does it end? Where is the line? That, that Overton window just keeps moving and we become numb to it. So we, we hear the latest thing. And again, I, I will say that every Republican thinks all the Democrats are like AOC. And, and, and all the Democrats think that we're all Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's, that's, what, that's what you all think. And, and it's, it's uh. not true, and we know it's not true. But, but again, all of the systems, social media, cable news, uh, what do they do? They reward the loudest voices and the, and the most extreme voices. And, and that makes us think that everybody's like the extreme voices. He's equating Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Marjorie fucking Taylor fucking Green. Yeah. Our Spencer Cox can fuck straight off. I mean, that's, come on, come on. Yeah, and he's saying they are the most extreme and propping them up as elements of being extreme. The when loudest Marjorie, voices. Like, Marjorie Taylor Green is a conspiracy theorist and right. talks about Jewish space lasers and AOC wants people to have places to live. Right. So I don't understand. <laughs> How do you not see the difference there in what you're calling, quote unquote, extreme? It's crazy. And it gets worse because... He starts talking specifically about Trump. And I. this goes to your point, Jesse, about everyone in the Republican Party being MAGA Republicans. 
unless you are talking directly about the danger that is Donald Trump and you're actively doing something to prevent the stranglehold that Donald Trump has over the Republican Party, then you are. Yeah. You are a MAGA Republican. So let's listen to Spencer Cox and then let's let's give our judgment. No, I, I would love someone else. I'm a big fan of governors. I think governors make good presidents and we have uh, lots of wonderful governors that are running for office. So I, I would love to see someone else. Um, I, 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 I think just look, I, this is really important to all of us right now. Um, uh, some recent polling that showed that 70 percent of Republicans don't want um, Donald Trump to, to actually run. And uh, 75 percent of Democrats don't want Joe Biden to run. Uh, we have a super majority of our nation doesn't want either of them to run and yet and yet they're both probably going to be the nominees um so that that talks about our system and how messed up it is another an, another uh, story for another time but i, I think the, the point here that is really important is that the fact that, that they are means that this work is more important than ever before um that we 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 desperately need more of this again that overton window that the fact that we're numb to some of the things that are said um, um, some of the actions that are taken um, it j- just reiterates, and 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 it, we can't expect politicians to save this. It, it is every single one of us engaged in this work in a very real way. What you post on Facebook. Um, is doing as much damage to our country and, and to our world, to global security, by the way. I, I mean, Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, they love this stuff. They love the way we're tearing each other apart. Um, and, and the world needs a, a strong and unified America more than ever before. Um, and so I, I would just encourage all of us to think twice. Anytime you're saying those Republicans or those Democrats, um, those people, then you're doing it wrong and you're hurting your hurting our country. There is nothing more un-American than hating our fellow Americans. And it's up to all of us to change D.C., not the other way around. So (laughs) uh, two-thirds of Republicans believe the election was stolen from Donald Trump. Right. So when you talk about those Republicans, you're talking about the majority majority. of the Republican Party. And so what could Spencer Cox have done better in this two-minute clip? is not waxed poetic about both sides and we need to come together and we need to unite. No, he's a Republican. He's a Republican governor. He just talked about how he really loves governors and how they can do a lot of good work. He could have used this as an opportunity to talk about what the Republican Party should be doing to prevent the takeover of their party from Donald Trump. Instead, he says, would love to see someone else yeah, that's it. Oh, you'd love to see someone else. Great. Crickets. <laughs> oh, I have a drop. <laughs> but you agreed with him, right? You're happy with what he said there? No, he's fucking terrible. <laughs> it makes me think that all of the, the goodwill that he's offered verbally to the trans community is just lip service because you don't both sides this thing. He also is saying that if you post stuff about those Republicans on Facebook, you're doing just as much damage as like a Donald Trump type. Like what? It is a time for choosing. I was a, a no party preference until November 9th, 2016. That's when I registered as a Democrat because it was time to pick a side. I knew a fight was coming and here we are. And you got this dipshit both sides in things acting like AOC is some radical bomb thrower on the left when she is not she wants people to have health care she wants people to be able to afford their rent and Marjorie Taylor Greene skulks and stalks school shooting victims across the Capitol campus harasses AOC through her mail slot talks about forest fires being started by some secret shadowy group of Jews with their satellite lasers in space. Get the the fuck straight the fuck out of here, you maniac. Yeah. Well, you're also going to be unhappy with Nancy Pelosi because Nancy Pelosi made an appearance at this Atlantic event. I don't know what the event was. Don't know what it was called. I'm almost always unhappy with Nancy Pelosi, by the way. Sorry, I don't have the details on that. But Nancy Pelosi decided to... Again, reinforce her view that that it is very important for the country to have a strong Republican Party. 
Sometimes I wonder about the Republicans. I keep saying, take back your party. You're a great party. You're the grand old party. Great leaders in our country have done great things. Why are you being usurped, or whatever the word is, by a cult to a thug? I mean, what is this? So, um, and I don't know why they don't take it back, but it's important for the country to have a strong Republican Party. Who am I to be advocating for that? Strong <laughs> But exactly. really no, but, important but, for our country. And uh, so maybe we just have to get over this. But you, you know, believe just, in a strong Republican Party. You think yeah, it's course. good for democracy. Of course. Yeah, of course, but that's why I don't understand why the Republicans don't take it back. So what my friends tell me, and I do have Republican friends, that if you... <laughs> if you... One of them told me this the other day. He said, if you scratch a lot of them, who said they're for, you know who, I don't use his name, that, that they just don't want to pay more taxes. They just don't want to pay more taxes. The very wealthy who are, boom, in that place. They just don't want to pay more taxes. Provide for the common defense. Promote the general welfare. Provide the blessings of liberty. For our, the, the preamble to the Constitution. All the things that our country is about. And we can accomplish all of those things found within the preamble of the Constitution without a strong Republican Party. Yeah, and I don't know what she's talking about there with they just don't want to pay taxes. Like, is, is that her trying to explain, like, that that's why they should have sympathy because they're actually not bad people they just don't want to pay a lot in taxes because what their desire to not pay a lot in taxes ends up translating into is that they support people like donald trump and they elevate people who are singularly focused on oppressing people and rolling back people's rights yes so i don't really care if at the heart of everything that you're doing and who you're voting for is because you, you don't want to pay more in taxes, when you're voting for racists or people who are rolling back essential human rights, I don't care what's at the heart of that. Yeah, let's, let, let, let's talk about that because she said they've done some great things. The Republican Party, prior to MAGA takeover, but certainly now, has endeavored for 40 fucking years to overturn Roe v. Wade. Ronald Reagan's party did it. George H.W. Bush's party did it. George W. Bush's party did it. Donald Trump's party did it. And you know what they did? They accomplished it. Is that one of the great things that they accomplished, Nancy Pelosi, with your, your repeated desire for a strong Republican party? This is also part of the problem. This is also part of this both sidesing thing. She wants to appear so magnanimous and so in the middle. And look, I'm not just a, a radical Democrat. I want to have a strong Republican Party. We see this from Joe Biden calling Mitch McConnell an honorable man, calling Kevin McCarthy an honest man. Fucking stop. We know who the opposition is. We know the objectives of the opposition. They are accomplishing their goals inside and outside of power. Stop kissing their fucking asses. Right. And the House Republicans just attempted to advance a bill that was going to cut many programs by 30%. They wanted to cut house subsidies for the poor, medical research for cancer, nutrition programs for pregnant moms, early education programs like Head Start. Yeah. They wanted to cut all of these things. They will spend, you know, countless dollars on tax cuts for rich people. And then they will zero in on wanting to take money away, take programs away from the people who need them the most. While spending nearly $1,000 billion, a trillion dollars a year nearly, for a military budget while there is no, no active conflict that we are in. We have right. no boots on the ground in war, and we're still spending $885 billion a year, a fucking year on the military. Right. So I reject it. Sounds like you reject it as well. We don't need a strong Republican Party, and I think she should stop talking about We how... need a dead Republican Party. We yeah. need a withering Republican Party. If the Republican Party started caring about human rights, then I, you know, I could see the argument, but... Uh, that's not happening. So yeah. we, we do not need that. But the Republicans are in crisis right now because 
Apparently, they don't want Donald Trump to be the nominee. Some of them behind the scenes that have been personally impacted by Donald Trump, I guess. <laughs> and totally normal, smiley guy Ron DeSantis has proved to be uh, a dud. Yeah, I think Nikki Haley in one of the early election states just advanced ahead of him oh, in polling. Yikes. <laughs> so uh, the top Republican donors now are pushing for Governor Glenn Youngkin from Virginia to enter the race. Good morning, Tony. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, a Republican, is being recruited to make a late entry now into the 2024 Republican presidential race. He's being recruited by billionaires like Thomas Perfetti and by former Attorney General Bill Barr and many others who will be convening in Virginia Beach in mid-October for what's being called a Red Vest Retreat, named after the fleece Youngkin wore in his 2021 gubernatorial campaign. They see him as someone who could maybe take on former President Donald Trump as Trump remains the front runner in the race, but there's a lot of skepticism too about whether this is possible with all of the looming ballot deadlines and Trump's dominance. Well, the, the red fleece, fleeces are divisive as a style point, but it'll be a very interesting development if he enters the race, Bob. Uh, you know, the Democratic side is not without worry, and President Biden made a speech yesterday on the importance of defending democracy. He was unusually blunt about the former president as well. Let's hear some of what he said. There's something dangerous happening in America now. There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy, the MAGA movement. Bob, what do you think the president was trying to do here? There were two key strategies going on with President Biden's remarks. He was hearkening back to what got him into the 2020 presidential race, the white supremacist rally in Charlottesville and the Republican reaction to that. He was talking about the soul of America and underscoring many of the themes from that 2020 campaign and how he was thinking about American democracy at the time. And by appearing at the McCain Institute, he was making an overture to Republicans like the late senator who are skeptical of former President Donald Trump and trying to get them to come to the Democratic side and give President Biden a shot as they look toward 2024. So Glenn Youngkin, also a dangerous figure. They're talking about the red vest because he looks like every man. He looks like just a regular guy, but he's a doofus. He's just as radical. For sure. As I mean, he, he came to power with the, 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 the moms for liberty type of group, fomenting distrust of school districts, uh, CRT panic. Uh, LGBTQ panic. He is a demagogue. Yeah. And he just, he looks like... Uh, Tucker Carlson. Like a history teacher. So you think, oh, he's he, he, a milk toast dude. No, he's fucking dangerous. Yeah. So, great. Perfect person to recruit. What do you think? We'd love to know. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We'd love to hear from you. Moving on. Taking care of biz. Two scientists who are who just won the 2023 Nobel Prize for Physiology and or Medicine, and they were behind the research that led to the development of the two most important COVID-19 vaccines, the ones that are very controversial with conspiracy theorists because these... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I just want to finish what you're saying, but I want to remind everybody yesterday was supposed to be like Armageddon because of 5G towers or something, and it didn't come to pass. Because of the alert that we all got to our phones. Oh, is that what it was because of that? I think so, yeah. <laughs> they were very concerned about that. But the the scientists discovered that modifying a chemical building block of mRNA kept the immune system from destroying the material and enabled it to instead stimulate protection against viruses. Easy stuff. Classic. I, I, Common my, sense. My fact. eyes glazed over in the middle of you <laughs> reading that. So it seems like this Nobel Prize is, is rightfully given to these two scientists. The Nobel Prize in Medicine, the last thing a pair of scientists expected when the phone rang at 3.40 this morning. My husband picked up and he was talking to somebody and then he just handed over and said, this is for you. Did you believe it at first? Not really, you know, because, uh, you know, people can make jokes. I also thought it was a prank. 
or, or an anti-vax joke or something. Especially surprising because their work had been ignored, even ridiculed for decades. They were working in different departments at the University of Pennsylvania when they discovered each other at the copying machine. But I have to say that working together, that was the, the real uh, reward. Born in Hungary, Carico came to the U.S. in the 1980s. We first talked to her, Andrew Weissman, two years ago when the COVID vaccines were becoming more available. Talk to me about how skeptical people were about the value of RNA. I, I don't uh, know. Do, did we listen to them? Not really. You know, we. <laughs> I mean, everybody was skeptical, but we didn't care. Together, they found a way to create a vaccine that got past the body's defenses, but still prompted the immune system to make antibodies to fight disease. Now their discovery is leading to new vaccines for AIDS and sickle cell anemia, even gene therapies to prevent some cancers. Her message to young people? Just uh, hang on and uh, be resilient and uh, have fun and enjoy. Katie and I certainly didn't go into science for, for money or for awards. We, we did it because of interest and curiosity. And the joy of saving millions of lives. Andrea Mitchell, NBC News, Washington. So it is a shame that their work is so important. It's going to lead to saving millions of more people. They've already saved millions of lives. And there are people out there who think they are evil. Yeah. And, and have contributed something that is damaging to society when it is only positive, yep. only beneficial, only life-saving. People who are 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 running for president of the United States. Right. People like Robert Kennedy Jr. Right. Who is getting a push from leftist, you know, radical clowns, mm-hmm. but getting a push uh, of legitimacy from those people. It's it's fucking gross. Yeah. So Katie Carrico and Drew Weissman are taking care of biz for being awesome, genius scientists. Yes. We would love to hear from you on this 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo or a regular old-fashioned email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We're going to leave you there. We would invite you, nay, encourage you to consider supporting the show helping produce what we do here you can go to patreon.com slash i doubt it podcast pick your tier they've they've just introduced a new app and a bunch of new features we're going to dive into that and see what it's about and maybe it will fundamentally change how we do what we do and deliver to you what we do creating new community engagement it's going to be great anyway patreon.com slash i doubt it podcast we love you guys we will see you next time and until then for Brittany page i am jesse dollamore and this has been i doubt it